Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Max Licato. Max is a speaker and best-selling author. He also serves as pastor to Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. His passion for people and ministry is made clear through his written work and through his relatable messages for people from all walks of life. Let's dive into the message. Well, I kept mine on a, on a hook in my closet not to hide it, just the opposite, so I could see it. I felt that no morning was complete without a satisfying gander at this cummerbund of accomplishment. My merit badge sash. If you've ever been in Scouts, you probably know how I felt as a Boy Scout. I was so proud of my merit badge sash. You ever had one of these? Each badge was a measure of my accomplishment, something that I had achieved. I paddled across the lake to earn the canoe badge. I swam laps to earn the swimming badge. I carved a totem pole to earn the woodworking badge. Could anything be more satisfying than earning merit badges? Well, yes, showing them off, (laughs) which I did every Thursday morning in our middle school. That's the day that Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts were allowed to wear their uniforms to school. And so I would put mine on and I would strut across that campus like I was a part of the royal family. I just knew all of the girls wanted to reach out and touch My merit badge, sash. What a statement of accomplishment. Oh, the merit badge system. You know what I liked about the merit badge system? It was so tidy. It was so neat. Do this, get this. Do this work, receive this reward. Here are the rules. Here is the result. It was so tidy. It just told me how things worked. And I've always kind of liked things to be tidy and organized. Now, in my case, about the same time that I was earning merit badges, I began exploring this whole thing called Christianity, this whole thing called faith, this whole thing called heaven, Jesus Christ. About the same time I was earning merit badges, I began reading the Bible. And I drew this conclusion. The merit badge system works so well in Boy Scouts, God must have created it. And God must have a merit badge system. I mean, it just makes sense, right? That if Boy Scouts give you awards for doing good things, Surely God 
gives you awards for doing good things. And so a good Christian is a person who does a lot of things. And that we are saved according to what we do. And so it made sense to me to be a good Christian, like being a good Boy Scout, meant accumulating as many merit badges, spiritual merit badges, as I could. I know this sounds crazy, but in my mind, I just kind of thought somewhere up in heaven, there's a lot of angels and they've got these little sewing machines going crazy. And I determined I was going to keep them busy. Little merit badge for reading the Bible. Oh, we've got to get one of those to Max Licato. He's reading his Bible every morning. Merit badge for memorizing the Bible. Look at that Licato kid down there. We can't make enough badges for him. Uh, here's a badge for world missions. Locato wants to go on another mission trip. And so in my mind, I was accumulating all of these badges, all of these badges. And I was dreaming of the day that I would someday be taken into heaven and all the angels would come out with my spiritual merit badge sash and drape it across me. And they would say something like, oh, how can we but help you into heaven? You have earned your way in. Now, I know what you're thinking. Boy, you went the wrong way with that, Max. Because Christianity is not about what you do. But Christianity is about what God has done for you. But can you see how I got confused? Can you see how I got off on the wrong track? Has it ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself thinking, the more I do, the more saved I am. The more I accomplish, the more I earn God's favor, or the more God loves me. If you have, you know the consequence of this line of thought. And that is, number one, confusion. Number two, exhaustion. Number one is confusion. Because the truth of the matter is, unlike the Boy Scouts, there's no manual. There's no manual that says, okay, if God is going to save me and love me according to what I do, there's no manual that says, if I do this, he will do that. Right? If I brush my teeth every morning, then he'll make sure that I have five days in heaven. There's no barter system explained anywhere. And it leaves us wondering, have I done enough? If I have done everything at the end of the day, have I still done enough? And it leaves me confused. And this confusion then leads to either a sense of arrogance or a sense of inferiority. Arrogance, because in order for me to feel secure, I look at you and I say, I've done more than you, and so I'm better. And that creates arrogance, which creates pride, which is not a fruit of the Spirit. Or it creates inferiority. I'll never do as much as she does. I'll never accomplish as much as she does. And that causes us to feel insecure. See what I'm talking about? So as a young man, I went to my minister. I went and found my minister. And I said, I'm not secure about salvation. I do a lot of things, but what do I need to do? His answer, as I look back, wasn't the best answer. He basically said, well, just keep doing things. Do more. Because the more you do, the better you are. You do and then you become. 
do be do be do be do be do. <laughs> Maybe you know the song. <laughs> because I sure wasn't the first one to sing it. You see, every religion in the history of mankind has just created another system. A system that says, let's do this and hope we get God's attention. Let's build this temple and hope we get God's attention. Let's offer these sacrifices and hope we get God's attention. Let's go to Mecca and hope we get God's attention. Let's pray the rosary and hope we get God's attention. Let's pray five times facing east and hope we get God's attention. Every religion since the dawn of history has been an effort to get the attention of God and hopefully win His favor. But the result is confusion. Confusion. Because you think we need to do this to get God's attention. They think we need to do this to get God's attention. Nobody really knows. We get confused. We get into fights, arrogance, inferiority, and then ultimately exhaustion. Exhaustion. Because if you don't know how much you have to do to win God's favor, you just keep doing, you just keep doing, you just keep doing, you just keep doing. We become like those slaves in ancient Egypt, the Hebrew slaves who were told to build the pyramids and then the Egyptians told them they couldn't have any straw and they just kept having to work harder and harder and harder. That's why some of the most weary people on earth are the most religious people on earth because they think, oh, I just need to do a little bit more, do just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Well, what does God have to say about this? What is God's response to the merit badge system of salvation? Well, you know what he says? He says, get rid of that merit badge. <laughs> that we're not saved by our merits, but we're saved by his grace. By his grace. If there's a classic verse in the Bible that teaches this, it's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Paul says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And just to make sure we understand what grace is, what does he say? It's not of yourselves. It's not of yourselves. Oh, but I did this. No, it's not of yourselves. But I accomplished this. Oh, but it's not of yourselves. It is not of yourselves. It had nothing to do with any work that you did. It is instead a gift, a gift of God. If I were to give you a gift, here's a beautiful stone. If I were to give you this as a gift and you were to receive it, what would your response be? Thank you. Thank you. Your response would not be, thank you, let me give you $5. Right? Because the minute you give me $5, it stops being a and becomes a purchase. Purchase. So the Apostle Paul is very insistent here that when God comes to us through salvation, he says to us, let me give you a, a gift. A gift. Now, we will accept a gift when it's something small like a stone. 
But there's something about accepting a gift that is so monumental, like salvation, that causes us to think in the back of our mind, oh, I can't accept that size of a gift. Surely there must be a catch. Surely there must be some fine print. Surely there must be something I do to earn this, or if not to earn this, at least to deserve this. It is a gift of God. A gift, by definition, is someone else's work, right? I mean, by definition. It has to be the work of God. It has to come from God. And in order for it to be a gift, our contribution is zilch. Nada. Nothing. Zero. Faith simply accepts what grace gives. Faith simply accepts what grace gives. Again, can we highlight how this immediately separates the Christian promise from every other world religion, from every other world religion, every other ideology or philosophy or understanding or curiosity or study of God says, you do this and maybe God will respond. But Christianity is just the opposite. Christianity says God has already moved on the earth. He has already come for you. He has already done everything necessary to save you. It's a gift from heaven. It's grace. And your call is not to earn it, but to simply accept it. And this changes everything. All of a sudden, I go from being a person who's striving after the affection of God to one who is resting completely in the assurance of God. It changes me from a person of doing works, hoping God will notice, to being the person who does good things because God has already noticed me. Now think about this for just a second. Some of you have done some wonderful things in your life. You've led Bible studies. You've helped poor people. You've reached out to the sick. You've ministered to the lonely. You've done some wonderful things. But your best work has never added one iota to the already finished work of Christ on the cross. Way to go for your good works. God bless you for your good works. And may God use those good works. But don't think for a second that those good works made you any more saved after you did them than you were before you did them. Otherwise, it's not grace, right? Otherwise, it's not grace. You see, this is so important because we must understand that we really have nothing that God needs. Right? We have, no, we have no capacity to give God anything that He needs. The truth of the matter is we understand grace when we understand that we're sinners. We understand grace when we understand that deep in our heart we are sinners. We were born with this rebellious nature. There's something within us, this proclivity to rebel. My wife, Deanlin, and I have three kids. And I remember when our first daughter was born, Jenna. Oh, my. We realized that the rest of the world had been shortchanged. She was the perfect baby. She set a new standard for cuteness 
and cuddle-tivity. She deserved to be carried on a pillow. She deserved to ride in a carriage. I sent her picture to the baby magazines and I gave them permission to run it on the cover. No one ever did, but... As Jenna grew older, however, we began to reconsider her royalty. She began to, well, I'll just say she began to act more like her mother's side of the family. <laughs> and on the rare occasions that we told her no, our little girl, our little perfect little princess, somewhere had learned to say no to object, to argue. She was born with this spirit of rebellion. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach little kids to say no? Have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach little kids to say mine? Where do they learn this? According to the Bible, we are born with this spirit of defiance, this, this, this sense of rebellion. And according to the Bible, this spirit of defiance is sin. It's sin. And it's a spirit of defiance that actually even causes us to look at God and say, you know, God, I know more about running my life than you do. By the way, you know why heaven is going to be so heavenly? Because finally we'll quit arguing with God. Heaven will be heavenly because we'll all submit to one king. You see, right now we live in a kingdom where everyone wants to be king or queen, right? You want to run your life. I want to run my life. And some days I want to run your life. That's why there's chaos. But heaven will be heavenly because we will finally gladly submit to one king. But until then, we need somebody to save us because we've all been infected with this issue called sin. Every single one of us. Now there's somebody who's listening saying, yeah, there's a lot of sinners in the world, but you know what? I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm a lot better than most people. I, I may do some bad things, but I've read in the history books of people who do bad things. I'm not Hitler. I'm not Mussolini. Compared to them, I'm much better. I used to try that with my mother. My mother used to tell me to keep my bedroom clean. It was a disaster. But when she would come in and say, Max, clean up your bedroom, I would take her next door and I would show her the bedroom of my big brother. And his was always worse than mine. And I would say, look, Mom, see, my bedroom is clean compared to his. You know what she would do? She would march me down the hall about 20 feet and she would show me her bedroom. <laughs> and she would walk me into her bedroom where the bed was made, where the shoes were put away, where everything was stored, where no socks were on the floor. And she would say, this is my standard of perfection. To those of us who say, well, you know, I may be a sinner, but I'm not too bad because compared to so-and-so, here's what God says. He shows us Jesus Christ. He says, this is my standard of perfection. He never sinned. Never said a word he later regretted. Never felt God call him one way and then chose to go the other way. Every time he sensed 
the presence of God or heard the voice of God, he instantly obeyed. He always loved his neighbor. He always loved his God. There was a time in which he asked the crowd, can any of you convict me of a single sin? If I asked that question to a crowd, all the hands would go up. But nobody could. Nobody could. Those who followed him most closely said he was a sinless person. A sinless person. And so God's response to those of us who compare ourselves to others. He says to us, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. That's my picture of perfection. And when we compare ourselves to him, we realize we don't need a merit badge system. We need a savior. And see, the irony is this, that though Jesus never sinned, he was treated for your sins and mine. He was punished for your sins and mine. That when he died on the cross, when he died on the cross, he died there not carrying his sins, but he carried your sins and he carried my sins to the cross. And when he was on the cross, God treated him as a sinner. He treated him as a sinner. He did to Jesus what he will do to any person who refuses to accept God as the king of the universe. In that moment, Jesus, as he hung on the cross, was treated as a sinner. Everything that you and I feel as a result of our sin, he felt. The shame, the isolation, the loneliness, the despair, the darkness, the distance, the separation, everything that he felt is what every person is destined to feel if they don't accept Jesus Christ as their savior. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken me. This word forsaken means separation, uh, distance, abandon. He felt in himself a sense of abandonment because a holy God cannot be where sin is. And at that moment, sin was on his son. So even then, Jesus felt and endured that time of separation. Why? So that you won't have to. And so that I won't have to. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. So God's answer to those of us who have tried merit badge religion is, hey, put those merit badges in the closet where they belong because our merits merit nothing but the work of Jesus Christ merits everything. Some of you remember not too long ago, a group of miners were trapped beneath the surface in Chile. A dramatic story. They were trapped beneath 2,000 feet of solid rock. 33 desperate men. The main tunnel had collapsed. There was no way of rescuing them. For two months, they prayed that somebody would be able to save them. Up above, the Chilean government worked in concert with NASA and other experts, and they designed a 13-foot tall capsule. And they drilled first a communication hole and then an excavation tunnel. There was no guarantee of success. No one had ever been underground that long and then lived to tell about it. But now they have. 
They came out on October 13th, 2010. One by one, you probably remember the scene. Slapping high fives, jumping up and down. What struck me about that story is how happily, happily, the miners climbed into the capsule to allow the capsule to rescue them. Can you imagine those miners trapped 2,000 feet below the surface, seeing that capsule and then sending the message back up to the top saying, oh, I can get out of here on my own. Just give me a little more time. Send me another hammer. Give me a pick and a shovel. I'll get out of here on my own. No, they needed help and they knew it. And when help came, they took it. You know what the government gave those miners? They didn't call it this on the newscast, but they did give them grace. They entered the world of the lost miners and provided a way to carry them out. My friend, that's exactly what God has done for you. Every single one of you. God, through Jesus Christ, has entered our dark world. We were trapped, lost. We have no hope of rescue. Some of you are still trying to chisel your way out. You're still hoping that your good works will win God's affection. Others of you are just pretending that you don't need rescue. You're comparing yourself to other people saying, well, I'm not as bad off as somebody might say. Don't you think it's about time to get honest about this situation? Don't you think it's about time to confess, to admit, to acknowledge that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and we need a Savior? That time can be right now. You can say yes to Jesus because He has entered your world and He has opened up this capsule. And He invites you to enter into His power, enter into His strength, enter into His grace. And He will, by His strength, lift you out. All you need to do is accept the gift to say yes to Him. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.